Hello, my lovely people. How are you? Are you ready to sizzle with your next summer sizzler of this mini series? And believe me, ah, oh, this one is a scorcher. The person who I'm about to introduce you to is one of the most special people I've met. Woody Morris was a GMTV correspondent. She was Kathleen Wood back then. And now she's a health and nutrition life coach entrepreneur. So not only is she going to tell you about her next chapter, she's about to give you some brilliant advice too. But as we've discovered in our episodes so far, life doesn't always happen in the way we want it. Woody's prologue is the longest I've ever had on the series so far. I'll let Woody tell you what happened when she was just 13 years old, then 11 years later on exactly the same day. We talk honestly about grief, how life changes in a second and how pain never goes away. But when you've heard Woody's prologue and then what she has gone to do, well, I think you will agree with me just how special she is. Not many people would tackle life in the way Woody has. Her words of wisdom are helping so many people at the moment and I really hope they help you too. Hello and welcome to the next chapter by Ellie Barker. The idea behind this podcast is that as I start my next chapter from journalist to indie author, I speak to some incredible people who have already started their next chapter in the hope it will help you with your next chapter or at the very least, you may just enjoy the conversation. So here she is, Woody Morris. Woody Morris, welcome to the next chapter by Ellie Barker. It is a joy to see you. Thank you so much for being with me. Oh, I'm just honoured. It's so lovely to see your gorgeous wee face. Oh, Woody, this is great. Now, I'm, yes, Woody, we, um, before we start, I should just say we have known each other for a long time, but I'm going to treat this very officially, Woody, as um, the listeners would well expect. And I'm going to start as ever, and I'm going to start with your prologue. Now, as we can always guess, already guess from your accent, you were born and raised in Edinburgh. Mm -hmm. I was. Yes, so... Tell me, Woody, what was life like for you at the beginning? You said to me you were a little bit naughty as a child. Well, I was naughty at school, I, I reckon. I mean, I, I think I've got two big brothers, and I always I was a bit of a tomboy, um, wanting to be a boy, actually. <laughs> what? But I, no, I'm not even joking. I used to go to the shops, and if the guys said, there you go, son, I'd be like, yes! <laughs> like, I, I, like I'd short hair, like I was a real tomboy. Um, but I was not never particularly very studious. I, I was always told in my reports, it was always, um, if... Kathleen, that's my proper name. If Kathleen spent enough time or as much time um, on her studies as she did or as much energy as she did talking to people and on the sports field, she would do very well. So I was never I was never very good at No, I just I just got bored, I guess. I just got a bit bored and just was wanting to get out and talk to people and wasn't very studious at all. Well, this is interesting, really, because seeing what you do now today, which obviously we will get on, you can totally understand why. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because we talk about this. Did you feel at the time that you were a bit wrong in the way that you were at school? Uh, no, no, not really. I think when I was younger, um, I just I just never, I don't know, I just never really, I, I kind of just was always a bit hyper. And I didn't really, I, I just never really got it. I mean, I always kind of enjoyed English, actually, to be fair. But then when I got into senior school, things changed a lot for me as I got older. I think we're probably going to touch on this because my home life changed a lot. And school actually became a very different place in that it became a place of kind of security for me. some Something that was, I could go to every day that was normal and 
because my home life went a bit crazy, as as we'll talk about. But but uh, but so it was actually it was a place of security for me. So it wasn't so much about studying. It was actually some something that was comforting that was there and I actually loved I as much as I was naughty I was I, I actually loved school like when I left school my heart broke honestly I cried mm. I didn't want to leave I just That's didn't want to leave school yeah. I loved it um, I, but I wasn't your traditional studious pupil but I was definitely you know I guess I was a, a good egg in that I, you know I lo- you know I liked people I liked my you know my you know my my I've got amazing friends from school and um you know I loved school in that respect but I know I wasn't I wasn't really I didn't really fit the mold no, no, <laughs> okay. well quite right was it a, was it a mixed school did you go to a mixed school yeah yeah it was a mixed school and was it no, a was state ve- school no it was a private school okay. so it was George Watson's college which is or Watson's as it's called in Edinburgh and um, so I was there from primary one all the way through to sixth year mm-hmm. and um yeah it was a great it was a great school for for me um and they actually gave me a lot of support and secure security um without me knowing a lot of stuff that was going on I found out years later actually some of the stuff that they did so I mean I'm sorry to talk about, about such sad things so early on but I think it's important because I think for anyone listening to hear your story what you went through you know talk about a first chapter in your prologue you already had this incredible horrendous thing that happened so you were 13 everything was fine like you say you had your two older brothers and then your dad he was killed in a car crash yeah yeah brutal and I I, you know it's funny I remember the day and it's it's really funny actually I I met somebody from school relatively just 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 last month actually and they remember the day they said oh god Woody I remember that I remember when your dad died because it was a big deal because I think at that stage a lot of us were only I was only 13 so a lot of my you know, friends, none of us had had experienced death. Mm. So it was that thing, people didn't know what to do, you know, and I remember going back into school a a week or two weeks later, and it was, it was at the beginning, it was right at the end of November. So it was that bit just before Christmas. Mm. And um, my mum had written the Christmas cards. I just always remember that. My mum had written, had already written all the Christmas cards from us as a family. And she kept saying, I've written all the Christmas cards. And it was all this stuff. It was like, oh my God. But I remember going back into school and people didn't know what to do. Like they would, they would walk across the other side of the corridor because they didn't know what to, they didn't know what to say to me. And I felt really odd. You know, it was a bit like, you just wanted someone to say, are you okay? And there was actually a few few people who did. But I think people just don't know. I mean, I don't know if we're better at it now, but people just don't know what to say or how to deal with tra- you know, trauma or death or... Mm. I don't know if it's still still a funny funny subject. You know, as soon as some you say to somebody, "Oh, I lost my parents," some people immediately go, "Oh God, I don't know what to say. Oh, I don't want to upset her. I don't want her to cry." But a lot of people want to talk about it. Mm. You know, my friend is just going through. She, she lost her mum a year ago, and um, she, you know, she wants to talk about it. She wants to talk about her mum. She wants to remember all the good stuff. Mm. But um, but yeah, it was just you know, did it define me? I think I get asked that question a lot about. I don't know. I I just I think it's made me a lot more empathetic, maybe. Um, and it and it was brutal. It, the hardest bit, though, Ellie, was I think for me because I was thirteen. So at thirteen, you're you're pretty selfish. You're a teenager. You're starting. You're you're quite hormonal. You're starting to get interested in boys or girls, whatever. And you you become very selfish. And I, I've seen that with my children because I've got a twenty year old, an eighteen year old, and a fifteen year old. And they're sort of coming out the other side. But I think for any parents listening, 
you know, if you're, you're if you're going through the teenage years, I think you become very it, you you become very self self absorbed. So I was probably at, in that stage, um, but I just remember just watching my mum just heartbroken, mm. you know, and that was really hard because she was really young at the time. I mean, she was only four, my dad was forty six. So my mum was only 43 at the time, God. which is so young. Woody, what was your dad like? Um, well, he was really into rugby. It's actually interesting. <laughs> he was really into rugby. Um, and he was a businessman. He was a, a merchant banker. So he was away from home a lot of the time. Um, you know, we didn't... I, I suppose I always think... I talk to my brothers about this a lot now, actually. And I always think, you know, I didn't really know him, which is the saddest thing, I think, because, you know... Like I, I always said, oh, I was a tomboy, and you know, I, I kind of, you know, I just, I don't know, I just, I didn't, I didn't really know him that well, and I think that's the saddest thing of all. I think that's something. I was at a party actually at the weekend, and um, imagine going to a party, Ellie. Oh Wowzers, my god! Wowzers, lucky Touch, you! Touch I thought you people. looked a bit sparkly. <laughs> it was amazing. It was so much fun. <laughs> and just at the end, my friend's parents came because they came back with her daughter. And I really wanted to, I, that's something I've, I always want to speak to people's parents. Like that's something I always want to, I always just want to speak to people's parents. And I always get really emotional. And I, I wanted to speak to Sarah's dad and just say, you must be so proud. My, my, my friend's super successful. And, uh, and I just, and I get really emotional and I just always seek out the parents. I've always done that. And I don't know, I don't know if it's because I feel there's, you know, a, a disconnect for me because I lost my parents at some, such a young age. But I always, you know, I love hearing people's stories. And I always say, God, you know, and you must feel this too, Ellie, that I think people sometimes, if they've got their parents, they're so lucky. I always, mm. even now, I get, you know, quite mm. emotional about that because, mm. you know, it's something that, yeah, you know, I, I haven't had. No, so. and amazing that, you know, even now, sort of all these years on, you're so affected because it just never goes away, does it? I mean, it just, no. but I mean, I think, for you, as you know, obviously I lost my dad and um, God, it just, it, it never, never goes away. But yeah. um, at 13, I can't imagine because you're not, like you say, you're not even beginning to think. I mean, your dad was there because you're on that race, aren't you? He was setting up for his family. He was building a life. You're in that, so much in that zone. Um, yeah. So with your mum, and so again, I'm, let's get this now so that, again, because I just think it makes your story even more incredible. But so then, obviously, such a horrendous thing for your mum as well. She had three children. And you said, yes, yeah, she she started to drink. And this this kind of took over a lot, really, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, the, my mum and dad were very sociable. So I think there was there was, there was, there was, there was already a lot of drink involved and parties and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, mum kind of just really went down that spiral of drinking um, and really, really kind of lost lost the plot with it. And, uh, you know, at one point was drinking, God, nearly a bottle of whiskey a day. Mm. And you just think, geez, your body is incredible because she lived for 11 years. Mm. You know, and, and you could see her that was really struggling. There was times when she was sober and she tried to not drink for about six months and, and uh, well, she didn't drink for six months. And, and I, I had this real love-hate relationship with her. And I, I probably, I have that love-hate relationship with alcohol now because, which is something we can talk about in a minute, but I, it's just, I just saw the destruction of her and she was a beautiful woman and she was, she was very fit and um, and it just just took her out, you know, it completely took her out. And and we live in such a alcohol fueled society that it was it's very difficult. It was very difficult for her to give up drinking. Mm. Um, 
And I don't think she wanted to. I mean, she would always, sometimes she would just say, I just want to be with your dad. I just, I, I just don't want to, I just don't want to carry on. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the irony of all, Ellie, is that she died on the anniversary of my dad's death. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was nuts. Mm-hmm. Like, I only knew, yeah, I only realised that not that long ago when you put something on. I mean, that is just, oh my God, that's, in, it's just incredible, isn't it? But it also, I think it was kind of like, I, it was, I, I can't, afterwards, I thought, I knew she would do something like that. You know, mm-hmm. she, she was she was a very strong woman, my mum, actually. She was quite a maverick, really, in, in lots of ways. And and it was like, it was kind of like, I no, I told you so, but she just, it was like she, she had to do it. It was really mm-hmm. bizarre because the day, a few days before, she had been in hospital and I'd come back. I was living in Hong Kong and I'd come back and she'd been really, really unwell. And then she kind of woke up um and she was uh, she was really I think with with liver people anybody that knows when you you've got issues with your liver your body becomes very toxic so you go through stages where where you're not very lucid because obviously all the toxins affect your brain and um, she was very um, she became very lucid a, a, a couple, the night before she died and I remember going back to my brothers and saying do you know I think Mum's going to survive you know but we need to get through tomorrow and it was kind of like because it was the anniversary and then and that was the day she died it was just really surreal and it was just even now when I go they're both buried in the same place and when you look in, on the tombstone you know and it says the 28th of November mm. and you think god that's just it is kind of crazy mm. um but yeah it's just it's, there's comfort there though because I I feel that they're together yeah. where, where we go after this life but um you know there's comfort that they're there together um and yeah but it's but it's crazy but but back to your, your original question about my dad and rugby I think that's what's fueled my passion I've always been hugely passionate about rugby and what is what is really sad and oh it'll get me again because my my son now plays rugby for Scotland Amazing. and we went to watch him and uh when they played the Flower of Scotland I mean it just totally takes me out you know mm. I was just like oh I'm really trying to hold it together because my mum and dad never saw it mm. and it's they've never met my children and I think for anybody who's lost somebody and you'll probably feel the same I know your dad met your children but but still it's 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 the loss and it's just mm. when there's any ever a milestone with your children and your family you want to share it mm. with some of the people that you love and mm. and they're not there so mm. so it's that's that's hard I totally I totally understand I do even like on the smaller things like um Arthur our eldest son is about to go to secondary school and we've got sort of some decisions around it and just things like that I just think like if my dad was here what would he say what would he what would he say and you're always second guessing but I don't know I might you know people might say it's a bit woo woo um woody but I I still always have this feeling and let it be a comfort thing I don't know but they kind of are here I always feel this just there I do because I just feel I feel always feel my dad's around and I'm sure you do in some way with your mum and dad that you got to just think you know they're kind of in they're living in you and all their beliefs and everything that that would have come through in you and how you're living your amazing life now that they are part of it you just wish they were standing there sometimes I wish my dad was there and I'd I'd probably just shout at him (laughs) and tell him off but you know that's you know I miss that but anyway anyway so thank you thank you for telling us about that because this is now going to you'll understand anyone listening how you can what you did and how you've carried on is just incredible so going into your first chapter I mean you your prologue I've never had a prologue as long as that so um so you studied journalism and then you went out but then you went out to Hong Kong 
Yeah. So I studied journalism in Edinburgh. Um, I was always loved, you know, loved people and um, was from quite a young age, actually, wanting to be a journalist. And um, and then, yeah, so studied studied journalism and uh, wanting to get into broadcast journalism. So I worked for a local radio station in Ayrshire, in Ayr, West Sound Radio, um, and it was so much fun. That was like, you know, your, you know, cub reporter. Mm. I was still in touch. In fact, I was chatting to a girl I worked with just the other day. And um, we, it was, it was, you know, I, I mean, they called me KK, like Calamity Kate, because it was just, <laughs> it was just, I would do, go running out to go and do a story. I was all enthusiasm. And it was the days when you used to carry, this how, shows how bloody old I am, it, you would carry your little cassette player yeah I remember and it, yeah with a microphone and I went running out and one time I was running so fast I pulled the bloody wire out and didn't realize got this amazing amazing interview got back and it didn't work it was like, ah, now I'm thinking but that's I- going to be happening now it probably still happens Woody <laughs> press record damn Oh, God, that's so annoying when you think you've recorded something. So, yeah, so I worked there for a year and I just, it was before the, the, the handover. So, so basically Hong Kong, you could still go there without a visa because it was part of the, still part of the British Empire. And um, so I just wanted to give it a shot and go and go out there and see if I could break into TV or just, just give it a shot. So I went out and um, gave myself a month to get a job. And the thing is with Hong Kong at that point, it was one an amazing place in that if you just winged it or had the balls to just to just put yourself in a situation you could end up with an incredible job and anybody listening if they live there it was just a phenomenal time and opportunity for young people you know I was 24 and um and ended up landing a job with BFBS Radio, which then ended up, I got a job with uh, TVB, which was the, the main sort of channel, as a uh, reporter. And um, and because I had rugby on my CV, because I played rugby, they thought I knew everything about sport. So they, they gave me this job. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know everything about everything. You know, and that's the thing. You just totally winged it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I, I didn't have a clue. And actually, I made some howling mistakes um you know with regards to names of sports people I spent a year in France so I, was, I spoke French and um I remember one time I mean, a long time ago this um one of the it was racing ra- rally driving report and, uh, and this the guy was called Gerhard Berger and I then said oh yeah and da, 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 Gerard Berger and it was like oh my god and my friends <laughs> had been listening and it was like oh my god I got back thinking oh I've done my first report yeah and uh, they were just dying of embarrassment, going, my God, Woody, you, it's not Gerard Berger, it's Gerard Berger, you idiot. Remember the burger. <laughs> but yeah, th- but it was an amazing opportunity. And then I ended up, I from there, was headhunted, bizarrely, to present my own and produce my own sports segment wow. of a TV, a cable um, channel, which was amazing. It is amazing. So, Woody, maybe they just liked your different pronunciation of names. They saw exactly. you as a unique person. And Scottish, Scottish accent. Yeah, it was just, you blame it on your accent. So, and and so you were at this stage, so you were 24. So you, when did you live in France? Was that through university? Yeah, I well, I took a year out. So I had to, so I totally screwed up at school. I didn't have the right qualifications to go to uni. So I then had to, I took a year out, went to live in a kibbutz, 
no idea why I did that. Even now, <laughs> so, so kibbutz being a you know a, a communal farm in Israel, I don't think we do it now. So, and I'm not I'm not Jewish. I just wanted to do it, and I had I had a good, I had a good time, but I was very very homesick. Came back, and then I had to go to college to get the qual. So, I'd been at private school my whole life. I had to go to college to go and get the qualifications to get in to to uni to study um journalism so I um so yeah so then I went after that I went to France for a year okay. to study French okay and then and then I then I got my job in uh radio and then I went to Hong Kong but the interesting so, yeah. thing is so there there you are then in Hong Kong doing this absolute dream job and really you didn't need any of those qualifications anyway no no that's no. the irony isn't it well and I just I, I I'm a real believer you know Especially right now, you know, there's such a massive push on on youngsters to go to university and rack up a load of debt, study something that maybe they're not hugely passionate about. And then then there's no jobs. Mm. So I, I just I really feel that we should be bringing back apprenticeships. You know, people have got so many different talents. It's not about studying. Absolutely sure. If you want to go to uni for the experience, because it is so much fun. But if you're not somebody who's, who can study or doesn't like studying, get yourself out there. Mm. You know, get yourself some experience in, in whatever it is that you love to do. And believe, because there's so many different jobs now, mm. and just believe whatever it is that you want to do, you can achieve. Mm. And I think that's, as parents and as, as older people now, I think that's one of the biggest things that we should do is inspire these young ones coming through to believe that they can do whatever it is they want to do. And I think as long as you're of service and you're kind to people, you really can do anything. Do you know what I mean? I, I really totally believe agree. No, I absolutely totally agree. And also it's a sort of bigger picture as well because when you were in Hong Kong, you obviously met loads of different people. It, you know, it develops you as a person. I mean, that's when your mum died as well, didn't she? So then, then you had to come back. But then also you met your gorgeous husband, Phil, as well. So, you know, it goes to show you, you put your... You really put yourself out there in the most, because obviously your mum was poorly leading up to it. So you still did it in these most difficult times. So I'm just saying this because, you know, I, I do understand some people say, oh, look, I can't do this because of this. I can't do this. But it goes to show actually sometimes you just need to do it no matter what, because look at where it took you. Yeah, hundred percent. And and it is there's no better time than now. You know, even even at the time when I was working at West Sound, the, the guys I was working with were like, Why are you going to Hong Kong? You're crazy. If you want to get into TV, stick it here for another year, then go try and get into Scottish television, you know, STV. Mm. And I just didn't I just was like, nah, I just don't want to do that. I wanna, you know, and it's dreaming big. It's a it's it's believing that you can achieve whatever it is you want to achieve and there's so many naysayers out there there's so many people that say oh you can't do that or you have to do it this way there's no set way to do anything and I think I am very very fortunate in that despite my mum going through all the stuff that she did do when we were younger I mean it's that whole adage give me a child till he's seven I'll give you the man you know we were brought up with a lot of love a lot of belief you know, she she really made me feel that I could have achieved anything and so I'm super grateful for that and um you know I've got my insecurities like we all do and I, you know I work on them daily doing all what we do but but you know I I did have a really gut gut feeling about 
what that I could do it you know that I could you know and I and and just not buck the system but I did you know again I was chatting to Phil about this the other night that I definitely because I didn't study at school I sometimes felt maybe I wasn't as bright as other people that I wasn't as clever you know all these other people went off to university like proper like university I went to I mean it's a uni now in Napier Uni in Edinburgh but it was um you know, and, and, you know, I had friends that went to Cambridge and, you know, and I always felt probably it, it was a, definitely a self-limiting belief of mine that I wasn't as bright as other people, but actually I just didn't study. Mm. Um, and academic brightness, you know, you can be the bright as anything, but actually not be very, um, you know, have, what's the word I'm looking for? When you're emotional really, intelligence. Well, get, exactly. So emotionally intelligent, you could be off the scale bright mm. and that, in many ways, can stand you in so much better stead mm. than, than just being academically bright. I'm not saying, you know, one's better than the other, but I think we're all different. And I think we've got to look for our own zone of genius or whatever. That's a great book, The Great Leap by, um, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, but Guy Hendricks. But you, um, it is that thing, but we're all, we've all got something that's unique and special about us. And it's trying to find out what it is. Mm. And I think I love people and I love, I love talking to people. You know, it's, it's funny because you flipped, you know, normally I'm the one that's asking all the questions. And you're, <laughs> but I, but yeah, and I, I just think we've all got a unique talent, whatever it is. And, and it could be beekeeping. I don't know, but, but it's, it's about don't, don't listen to other people about you can't do something or, what what lights you up what's your joy you know what what do you in you know when when you're doing something the days or the hours just pass and it's it's helping people find that you know mm-hmm. and I think that's our duty you know is, as as older people and 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 um, I say older as in parents or whatever or aunties or uncles or whatever you are do you know what I mean to mm-hmm. help do that yeah I, I mean don't get me started on this Woody I interviewed a professor the other day for my still because as you know I still do work in the television a, a professor of science um, sorry he was a science of happiness uh, and it's a course here at Bristol University and we'll talk I mean this is a, no, a whole other thing we can talk about this for hours but he was basically saying exams um, and the education system it's totally ruining such a lot of exactly what you're talking about because we're all focused and we want to see our children keep getting the top the top the top and especially at universities where you're paying all these tuition fees it's like how do we pass the exams but you're actually you're not actually necessarily learning you're just learning how to pass the exams and actually then you can't he said we can't tap into what makes the children or the students stand out because you need to see what they're bad at to be able to see what they're good at but it's all becoming this process um so I totally agree with everything you say and actually when you stepped away from the traditional route and you went out to Hong Kong I mean you just your whole world can I just ask you one thing before we move on do you think everything that you went through with your dad and then with your mum as well do you think it gave you some kind of they I've heard this mentioned before like a post-traumatic resilience you know because some people it can it can just totally sort of overwhelm you're like do you know what I'm never going to leave Edinburgh and this is I, I can't get over this but you went to like the other side of the world and you really built a, a life do you think it did in some ways, because you'd been through such a lot and such a traumatic thing at such a young age, it makes you feel, well, come on, if I can get through this and survive it, I can, you're not so fearful. Yeah. Um, oh, God, I don't know. what I, I felt, do you know, I, I guess for me, I felt I had to live my life triply 
Does that make sense? I mean, I, I think one of the biggest compliments I've been given recently was, God, would you are squeezing absolutely everything out of life. Mm. And I just think, I hope, you know, the day I die, that's, you know, I, I, you know, I lived my life, you know, and I feel like I've got like a sense of duty to, to my parents to absolutely live my best life mm. and be the best version of myself in every single way. And, and to share that with others. And, and uh, I, I, I don't think, I mean, I, I had a really, I mean, I, I def, definitely struggled after my mum died because my mum, my mum died in the, in the November and then I met my, my husband, we, we'd already met, but we didn't kind of get together until the following March. And, um, I definitely, poor, the poor guy, he had to propose to me four times because I, every time we kind of got to that bit, it was like, oh, I can't, I can't get married. I can't do this. It, and, a, and a friend of mine actually gave me this book about bereavement. And, a, and apparently this is very common that if you've suffered a bereavement, the next stage of, you, of your life, whether it's having a baby or, you know, being married or something can trigger this, this, this sort of anxiety bereavement again. And that's definitely what happened to me. Um, but no, I, I don't, I don't know about resilience. I mean, I just, I just wanted to, I just, I, I really struggled for, for quite a long time after my mum died for about six months a year. But then I was living in a place where there was lots going on. Um, it was easy to hide your emotions. It was easy just to just get on and be busy because you were living a crazy life. You know, we'd party till five in the morning. My, my work, I didn't have to be at work till 12 because I did shifts in TV like you know all about. <laughs> and um, so I started at 12 and then finished at 10 at night. So I could go out till crazy hours. And so I just lived this crazy life. And um, so probably hid away from a lot of the emotion. Um, it was probably when I had my children that I, I had to really sort of think about getting counseling and and just dealing with the bereavement and the sadness that was there mm. and I think like you've like you've just said I mean even there you obviously I, you, you, there's little things that trigger you and you know it's a long time since my parents died but there's something sometimes somebody says something or does something it's like oh you know it just gets you and it's mm. like anybody who suffered a bereavement whether it's well whatever it's just it, it's always with you you mm. learn to live with it or not you learn to deal with it or not I mean and I think sometimes we do need extra help for I mean I was very lucky in that I have a, a lot of very good friends that I was able to talk to a lot about my parents I was able to talk about the trauma I was able to talk about um you know the sadness and um you know and I've got I, I've got I'm, I'm ridiculously oh, grateful for the people in my life who've kind of got me through all this over the years and I think you'll be the same you know I think sometimes people don't realize how you know amazing they've been to you just all it takes is a wee text or a phone call or and people who remember like I'll say on the 28th of November which is the anniversary of my parents dying you know I'll get random texts from people just to say hey we was just thinking of you, you know thinking of you today and, do you, still, and do you still find that time and Christmas going into that do you find that a difficult time I used to absolutely hate Christmas mm. because it was all about where are you going for Christmas? You go and see your parents. Are you going home? Are you da, da, da? And I was like, I don't have parents in my own head. I wouldn't mm. say it out loud. I don't have parents. I don't have a family home. Would you just off? I was like, Ugh. they weren't meaning anything. They didn't know no, it was, wasn't them. But I was angry. I was really angry. And it wasn't what changed is when I had my children. Mm. So when Harry was born, it gave me a sense of 
this is my family now. And when I was married, when I got married, Phil and I, I mean, I felt we fell pregnant very quickly. So we got married in the December and then I fell pregnant that following June. So the following Christmas, I was pregnant and working at GMTV, actually. Mm-hmm. With you, my gorgeous Ellie. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, I, I then I just then went crazy. So the children, what is absolutely gorgeous now, if you spoke to my children, they go, oh, my God, my mom goes crazy at Christmas. We have five trees and we do this and it's like, and, and the, the whole house is decorated. It's all lit up. So I went from being very sad to to then just going, right, this is Christmas. It's family. It's about children. It's about love. Let's just do this. So I go nuts, even now. And I love it now. I, I genuinely love it now. Yeah. And I don't feel, I have a wee moment on the 28th and like anybody probably does and just, but like you, I do feel I've got stuff all over, you know, I've got a picture up there with my mum and I, and I've got stuff like little feathers that I've, that I've dropped. And I just think sometimes when you really need to know that they're there, yeah. you get that feeling, you get a sense of, if you believe in, you know, I'm a bit, I, I'm quite woo-woo, I'm, I'm quite open to all of that stuff. And and I do believe that, that you know, there's, it's energy, isn't it? So where have they gone? Mm. They live on in me, they live on in my children. Mm. And, um, you know, I think we've got to believe that. We've got to believe that they're mm. still there yeah. after us. I tell you, there's a, my dad and I always had a song. It was, and um, sometimes if I'm really feeling, having, you know, struggling a bit, whatever happens, it's really odd, Woody, I'll walk into a shop or I put on the radio and the song plays. And it's just things, mm. and okay, I might just be reading into it. I mean, it's a good song, so I'm always happy to hear it. But it's, it's, uh, it's, it's Lovely Day by Bill Withers. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, this is not about me, Woody. See, this is the oh. trouble of interviewing the journalist that comes back with the questions. But let me, okay, <laughs> so coming back to the podcast. So we're still actually, we are still in the first chapter. So you left Hong Kong and then you worked oh. for Sky and then you worked for GMTV, which, as you say, that's where our paths would cross when I was on the runner's desk and you were the loveliest yeah. correspondent. So, yeah, oh. so, I mean, that they're amazing jobs, aren't they? And you were, well, I, of course, I'm going to say this, but, oh, I just was in awe of you when you did your GMTV job. And just, so, you know, you were so good at the lives and the walking around lives. and You were thriving. Um, and, yes, you were always lovely to the runners as well, which was always a big marker. But they, they were amazing days for you, weren't they? And you went out to L.A., you, you know, you did, you did loads while you were there yeah no it was it was amazing it was an amazing time and you know I was very very lucky I loved I loved the vibe at GMTV a lot I loved the girls I worked with the women I worked with you know I think a lot of people think um a a place where there's a lot of women would be very bitchy it actually wasn't I don't know if you found that Mm -hmm. I felt that I made some great friends um it was a much nicer environment to work in than it was at Sky Sky was and not a nice place to work in at all mm. uh, and I look back and I, I put up with a lot of stuff that I I absolutely should not have put up with mm. um, and um, yeah I loved I loved the opportunity that GMTV gave me because I you know went, as I said it's, like you say I went to LA for three months did the the showbiz thing interviewing all these stars and um, and then I you know was sent to Australia went to the I did the Sydney Olympics which was a dream for me being lo- you know loving sports um, but then obviously had a baby mm-hmm. fell pregnant and the next chapter the world and having a baby doesn't he work mm-hmm. so that was when I had to kind of give up I had the choice didn't I and, I and it's a difficult one isn't it and I think that's a big topic for us women who've got babies and children you know you work your ass off to get your dream job but then how do you make that work when you you know I didn't have parents to help me look after 
Harry at the time. I didn't want to get a nanny. Phil was super busy setting up his own business. So, you know, I really didn't have a choice. And um, I would have gone part time, but we weren't, I wasn't given that, that sort of option at the time. Um, but yeah, it's funny, isn't it? But you no, know, I had an, an amazing time. GMTV then, things that I don't know what it's like now, but it was, it was, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was a dream job, actually. It was a dream job. Before we, so before we go on to then to your next chapter, I've got to ask you this, Woody. Who was your favourite person to interview in LA? The, do you know the person which um, was, um, oh my God, I've totally forgotten his name. Mm. He was in the movie. So the movie was Runaway Bride. He was in... Um, Steve Martin. He was in, no, he was in... Um, oh, Pretty oh Richard Gere. Yeah, Richard Gere. Oh, what was he Richard, like? He was charming. Like, is in charming. Is in, he had an... I think he's really into... Is he not into Hinduism? Is Something he into, like that, yes. Yes. Yeah, he is he had he had that vibe about him wow. charming calm charismatic just gorgeous just he had something about him he was lovely oh, nice. really charming just char- yeah. you know because it's such a crazy they call it the pen don't they you're, you're there with your microphone going over here over here like, like mad people trying to get <laughs> snippets from and, and and i guess it is a bit like fodder and then they're probably just like, oh, God, ask me a question about oh, where did you get my dress from? You're such an asshole. They're probably thinking that we're just such a bunch of whatever. But, you know, we're doing a job. And um, he just was very gracious, would be the word. Yeah. Um, Julia Roberts, I also interviewed. She was not so much like that. No. But uh, he was the first one to say that. But we can't. But hang on. My flower pot lawyers will be going into overdrive here. That's the dog. <laughs> um, anyway, so. Okay, so let's move on then to your next chapter. So, yeah, so I mean, this is, again, this is interesting for anyone listening because this really all came about because you became a mum. And like you say, it's the fact that, I mean, it's a, it's a brutal part of life, but sometimes as a parent, it might be as a father or as a mother, you do have to choose, don't you? You have to choose, do I carry on with this job or do I give the upbringing to, to my babies that I really want to? And, and you made that choice, Woody, which was amazing that you did. Yeah, yeah, I did, and I mean, I remember the day I went, I, I went into work, and I, I resigned, and I was, I was really sad, like I cried, but I also had a, a feeling. Do you know what I did? I came back and I threw my phone in the bin. Brilliant! Brilliant. All those contacts. Oh yeah, actually, especially if it was Richard Gears. <laughs> what an idiot! But I was at that point though as well. I'd had, I've been on maternity leave, and I'd had this magical time with my baby. It was an amazing summer. We lived in Richmond at the time, and um, I'd the thought of I was still breastfeeding. I mean, that's when you were meant to go back after work at, to work after six months. Yeah. So I, yeah, I did, and I had a, a real sense of 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 um, liberty. I guess I've, I had a, a, it was a real sort of liberation. I felt, and then and then. And then it was a bit of, right, what am I going to do? So I carried on. I did a bit of freelancing. I was doing a Scot- I, I was presenting a rugby show in Scotland on a Saturday. So I still was doing a bit of presenting. Phil would have Harry um, on those days, and I would fly up in the morning, fly back in the evening. Um, so I still had my sort of hand in. And then I, I did a bit of freelancing, carried on doing a little bit of freelancing at GMTV. Um, and then Molly was born two years later. And that's when I... I actually did go back doing more work then. But then when Archie was born, another three years later, that's when I completely gave up my TV career because the juggling, the travelling, it was just crazy. Mm. And um, and I just I just felt, I don't know, I just, I just, it was sad though. And I even, I do, people ask a lot, do you miss it? I miss the buzz, I miss the adrenaline, I miss a lot of that stuff. But I don't miss the stress, I don't miss 
you know, I, that leaving your baby feeling, mm. you know, even now, I, I get that. I mean, I actually get that feeling now when I leave my dogs. How bad am I? Honestly. <laughs> my dogs and now my babies. They are He's, lovely dogs. Oh, they are. I love my dogs. But, but yeah, I, yeah, just that feeling. I don't know if people can resonate with mm. that, that feeling of, and it was actually, and I, actually, Ellie, what was really interesting is the first time I had that feeling is I went in to say goodbye to Harry really early in the morning because I was flying up to Scotland just for the day. And it reminded me of the feeling that I used to have as a wee girl when I would go to school and mm. leave my mum. Mm. So it was obviously separation, mm. anxiety. And, and it was really, it was that, that, that gut-wrenching feeling of like, oh God, you know, ooh, mm. I don't want to do this. But you do, you want, you know, you've got to do what you've got to do, but it's, um, so I did keep my hands in, but I was, I was very lucky to be able to, well, it's a choice. I, I talk about luck. I mean, to be fair, Phil was very supportive and he said, look, Woods, I mean, at the time I, you know, my, my salary was paying the mortgage. Mm. So it was a gamble, you know, and Phil was like, look, well, he, he always says, look, we'll make it work. Mm. Don't worry, make it work. Mm. So anytime there's stress or something going on, he's like, don't worry, we'll make it work. You know, and I think sometimes that's all you need to hear from somebody. Yeah, you do. I will make it work. Yeah. It's like you, your book, like you, you clever girl writing your book. Oh. And <laughs> love that bit, the, the back, the little, your acknowledgements and what you said about your lovely hubby who said, do you know what? I was, I honestly, it made me cry when I read that. Maybe your book's over there. And then, and he just said, I knew you would do it. You know, I, and I just thought I that was so lovely I to think, say that. I think it's so important, be it a husband or a wife or even just a really close friend or a family member. You just need one, at least one person in your life who can just say, and I appreciate when it's to do with your mortgage, it does really need to be the person you're paying the mortgage with. But, <laughs> uh, I suppose. But if you've got that, I think that, is one of the most important things because I honestly I know I wouldn't have done so much if it wasn't for my husband but I I would like to think he would say the same back for me you know and I know it is the same with you and Phil as well so you started then Woody you um so basically now you are a health and nutrition life coach come entrepreneur really you do so much which is just it's just brilliant and I think what's amazing we're going to go on to talk about what exactly you do do but what is amazing is it's all very well having these sort of fancy jobs like a GMTV correspondent and that kind of thing it's all very well but if it doesn't fit if it doesn't fit you and I don't mean just your life but just your soul really and your your you know your values or your you know the way you want to live your life then it it doesn't matter how much money you earn it doesn't matter that people get to see you on the tv so what you do now you've I've because I've watched you've grown it all around basically your family haven't you and your life but you're doing something now where you're helping people as well and you're doing you've got your spill the beans show that you have on Instagram and it's it's amazing so you're now using all your tv experience as well so I think what you're doing is just brilliant because you You've created the life that you wanted. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, I guess it's like anything, isn't it? It's just it's got it's all obviously a bit organic, isn't it? You don't know. Did I think I was going to be become a um, you know health and, and nutrition life coach? Did I you know I'm, I'm now a sup instructor? Who I, I I you know it's not like I set out to do these things, but I did want to be present for my children. And I was introduced to a network marketing business in Arbonne about eight years ago. And that's something I didn't really understand. And I that's where my sort of journey to health and nutrition kind of started. Um, and I and I, and helping other people. And that was something with regards to TV I really struggled with was 
there was sometimes there was a oh, well, there was a story. I mean, I, I know you. You, I can. In fact, I think I went and drank lots of wine with you afterwards because I got very drunk and I was really. We had to cancel a story, and um, I had to phone the woman, and she had a, a son who'd um, suffered head injuries from a from a bike and um, bike accident, and I had to phone them and tell them they couldn't come on the show, and and I was, oh man, it just killed me. I just felt so bad, and. Mm. Um, Talking about your values, I really struggled with that because I think one of my big values is is about being kind and and being you know I just oh I just I really struggled with that. So mm. now I I love helping others. I I love helping people with regards to um you know health issues or I mean I, and that passion came from I had a riding accident as you know I mean I was moved to the borders and mm. um, I live in Melrose in the, in the in the Scottish borders and um, there's a lot of poverty here. I, I, I mean, hidden poverty, like one in four kids go to bed hungry at night. It's yeah. horrendous. Yeah. And um, I wanted to do something. So I got involved in a, in, a, in, a, in a charity called Cash for Kids. And long story short, decided I was going to do a horse race, never ridden before to raise money. And uh, in training, fell off the horse when I was out with my daughter mm. and broke my ribs, punctured my lung, was blue lighted up to hospital really poorly. And I've never been ill before. Like I run every day, always been strong, healthy, you know, and it, and, it, and it was that vulnerability of being a mum, being in your bed. Archie was only 11 at the time. It was the beginning of the summer holidays. And it was that thing about, you know, we all talk glibly, maybe, your health is your wealth. But when you're ill and anybody who's been ill and who's maybe listening to this will be like, oh, my God, you're so right. Because if you've not got your health, you can't do anything. You can't be the best mum you want to be. You can't work. You can't get up and do the garden you can't if you've not got your health you've got nothing and for me that was when I, I really I just felt I've got one get myself better but that's for me when it really I, I really wanted to help people with their health and and there's so many people who've got health issues that actually just small little you know healthy habits you can just in, you know introduce a few little healthy habits that can actually have a huge impact on your life down the line you know it's like anything isn't it eat one burger a day like every now and again it's not going to kill you eat a burger or go to mcdonald's every day for like a year at the end of that year you're not going to be the picture of health mm. and it's that thing isn't it? it's just little little habits here and there that you can do that can make a huge impact so it's just teaching people that and seeing the results and and um again back to what we were saying before sometimes all that person needs is one person to champion them mm. one person to say look you can do this you know whether it's losing weight or whether it's a fitness goal or whether it's running a, a 5k or whatever it is um or just maybe Little things like not taking your phone into your bedroom, drinking more water, um, you know, having a greens juice every day, whatever it is, we can all do that. But but actually, sometimes all you need is one person to say to you, do you know what? You've got this. You can do this. Let's do this. I'll hold your hand and let's do this. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love I love seeing the end result for, from people and and them. Um, and and just encouraging that and I think I've always loved to encourage people to do stuff mm -hmm. and that's what you do with your Grateful Lemons business is that right it's more that's more that that side of it and then your Spill the Bean show is more sort of you're cooking and you're just uh with your lovely friend and you're just having good conversations a bit like what we're doing which sort of yeah, then help the help help other people too yeah, 100%. Well, like what you're doing now, you know, it's just about 
I think in lockdown, if people didn't want to watch the news because it was so doom and gloom, it was like, look, let's listen to other people out there. There's such an array of incredible people. Like I said before, everybody's incredible. Everyone's got a story. And just because you're not this or that, you, you know, you've still got a story. And I think it's just inspiring people. So, yeah, the Spill the Beans came about. Vic and I had a sort of chat. She's really into cooking. And um, and we just thought, let's let's just share share people's stories mm. and that's it isn't it because that's all it's about yeah Everybody's yeah. Stories. yeah it is and also it's sometimes different because we all have the same stories often given to us all the time it's nice to have different stories like your very own now woody so thank you and so so yeah so you um and when you say like so if someone's listening now with the health and nutrition side of it when you say these little tips what do you because i i you know i obviously follow you as well on your instagram and if anyone have a look at woody because it's just brilliant and where you live is just i would appreciate you saying there's some problems but it's i mean it's that's shocking when you see the glory it's just so glorious where you live um and but you're but it's very much you're out in nature aren't you so when Mm -hmm. in like if someone's listening it's just your first little tip what would you say is one of your the best things that you do each day that has changed you know changed how you feel get outside Mm. go outside get into nature I'm a, I I can't even describe when we moved from we, we used to live near South so after living in London when I knew you we then moved to Southport which is quite near Liverpool and I loved it there amazing friend and made, made some incredible friends very near the beach and then we moved back to Scotland seven years ago and I just was probably to do with my parents very drawn to come back home and I just felt happier in my heart I can't even explain but I think because we've got a horse we've got dogs we've got a rabbit we've you know I'm outdoors a lot and um, I just feel that's helped me. I run every day, not far, but I do, it's getting into nature. And I think as soon as I feel stressed or I feel, you know, and you hear it time and time again, when you're hearing all this stuff about people who are happy, I really want to chat to you about the guy who was, who was telling you about happiness. But mm. I bet he would have said one of the things, the happiest people are people who commune in nature or get into nature at least once a day for however long walk bare feet in the grass you know just get out sit outside listen to the birds I just think that's been for me especially in lockdown uh, one of the biggest gifts to just get outside and be 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 appreciative of the beauty being present you know get off your phone you know I'm bad for that you know I'm really bad I'm a phone's here I'm really bad for my phone but I have to really be quite disciplined and go right off the phone just be present so 100% get into nature get into a lock or the sea or the water or whatever you can do but that is one of the and actually one of the things that I what that's one of the questions I always ask somebody on spill of beans so we always ask what's your favorite food and what makes you happy I would say nine out of ten people if they've got a dog have all said going for a walk with my dog. Do you think as well, Woody, that the fact that sort of now from everything sort of like your whole, like sort of what you've done and everything you've done and been through, to be somewhere, so you're you're in the area you want to be, you know, you, like you say, you're, you're back with your roots, but also, you know, you're in this gorgeous, gorgeous environment. You're doing all different things. So you, you're, you've got your purpose in that you're helping people now with the, on the nutrition and the wellness. Uh, you're w- able to be there for your family. I know they're a little bit older now, but I know they need you more than ever. Um, when you've got all those, because I've recently been listening to the book um, by Jay Shetty, Think Like a Monk, and 
he talks about oh, having yeah. it's a brilliant and talks about how, if you're you like your four quadrants and if they're all in line then that then you get such more of an appreciation out of life because you enjoy things because you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing do you feel like that because it, i mean talking to you and, and watching you it, it feels like you are living like that yeah i do i definitely feel i'm i've kind of I think it's given away, like we said earlier, we, we, obviously before we came on chatting, you were saying, well, what, what, you know, how do I describe you? And I was like, well, I don't know, actually, whatever, however you want to describe me. Whereas before, like I was a, t- you know, you could say, what do you do? I'm a TV presenter. It sounds kind of cool. And, and it's, those, it's those, that ego part that goes with it, isn't there? Whereas now, I, you know, I've just let go of all that. I mean, I think that also comes with age. I mean, I turned 50 just a few months ago. And I think you, you, as you get older, you become just more content within yourself, I think, because we under, we realise, actually, this isn't a dress rehearsal, this is life, and we've experienced, like, you've been through, you know, tragic stuff with your dad, and, and you know, I think when you, you, you go through the, the life, you know, the school of life, you, you become, well, it's humbling, isn't it? And I think, you know, whether I'm a TV presenter or not, who cares? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know, it's, it's about, like striving to be happy and and actually what is happy happy is being present being now it's all inside us you know it's not nobody else is going to make you happy and I think I I ran around a lot trying to keep other people happy and such a people pleaser and you know I'm still I've still got to fight that you know I'm still you know but I'm definitely a lot more content within myself because I feel I'm living a true my true life you know it, it what I mean by that is I always, I always loved animals when I was young, when I was a little girl. I always loved animals. You know, I've got a little bunny rabbit. I've got my dogs. You know, I've got a pony. I feel very fortunate to be able to to, to have animals. Um, we live in a very beautiful place in the countryside. And, um, yeah, I just, I think, do you know, I also think is gratitude. I think one of the big things is just be grateful. Whatever it is, no matter how shit your life is, there'll be something you can be grateful for, whether it's your duvet, your bed, the sunshine, something. We're all striving. It's this thing about busyness. Like, I, I really make a point of saying to people, because people say to me, oh, really, you're all so busy. And I'm like, I'm actually not. I'm actually not busy. Like, I'm, I fill my life with stuff, mm. but stuff I'm doing. I'm not busy. I used mm. to be busy. I used to be a busy fool, like, meeting myself backwards, coming in, dropping the kids here, doing this. Blah, and it was like, oh, my God. Whereas now... I'm, I'm just, I'm, my life's full of the stuff I want to do. And I think that's what we need to do, whatever it is, whether it's gardening, whether it's just listening to music, whether it's my, my friend down the road um, has got bees, you know, whatever it is, I don't know, you know, follow, follow what make, what, what makes, gives you, brings you joy, mm. you know, and I think that's the thing. If you're in a state of joy and that's when I'm out with my dogs or see, see when I'm stressed or I feel like, so obviously we, were, we had the weekend, I had a few things, you know, I had obviously quite a lot to drink on Saturday. And and then I get this guilt thing with that as well, because I didn't I didn't drink for a year. And I've got this because of my mum, I, I always need to know I'm in control of drink. And and so I then I sometimes have this thing the next day, you know, we call it anxiety. Mm-hmm. When you think, oh shit, did I drink? I shouldn't have drunk, I shouldn't have drunk, maybe I should have <laughs> and it's like, oh my God. So as soon as I feel like that, I just get myself up, get outside with my dogs, and as soon as I'm out, you know, with the, just outside mm. I just feel this <sighs> sense of peace and I'm like it's all good it's mm. all good mm. and it's such simple stuff mm. it is it really is so staying with you Woody before we go on to the advice because you're going to be you're just given so much brilliant advice already to be continued what would you like to do next is there anything you'd like to do next 
Um, well, we've just bought a house, well, which is very exciting. exciting. That's exciting. Um, uh, well, I want, yeah, I want to, I want to give back massively. I want to just be able to be in a position where, um, so I do a business, a network marketing business, and I, I just want it to be super successful to be able to give back. Like I want to help the local community um, and just, yeah, just, you know, breathe belief into young people who, who maybe aren't, haven't got somebody who does that, you know. So I don't know, some sort of retreat thing, I don't know. But I, I don't, do you know what? I've always, I've always been a striver. I've always been like, I'm going to be a TV presenter. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I now feel I'm just going to kind of be like, I just want to, I want to be of service. Like, and and again, the the more books we read and, and, you know, I I know that G Shetty talks about that a lot. You know, when you feel that you're living your, 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 you're in your, just your zone and um, just helping other people. Because there's so many people out there that don't believe in themselves or, or or just need a bit of just someone to believe in them you know Mm. so I don't I don't really have a goal I don't really have um I don't really I want to travel obviously (laughs) which would be nice I would like all this stuff to end soon but um yeah I don't really have a goal what about you do you have a goal now look Wizzy you're doing that journalist thing again coming back on me I I agree with you I just I'm so pleased to be honest um what I'm doing now with my books and this and I just want to do more of the same and it is a, it's very liberating because like you I did have goals you know I wanted to be a journalist I wanted to be a television journalist uh I wanted to be an author and you sort of sp- I spent like yay um and I spent like 46 years or maybe not the whole 46 years but a good part of those years probably from the age of 12 like going for that and now I have I was saying again I was speaking with my husband Rob, it's a very liberating feeling because like now with this podcast it's it's been better received than I could ever imagined it's been amazing and I wonder it might go into something that I could never have imagined um and it's the same with my books I don't know you know but that's the, the I think when you if you've got something in you that you just need to tick that box and I think there's nothing wrong with that and I for me I've absolutely have been like that but now I have ticked that box it's then even more liberating, which is why I I always encourage anyone who's listening to this thinking, oh, if I I really want to, you know, or, or I've got that box I want to tick. And maybe they just don't want to even admit what that box is because they feel silly or like, oh, why should I do it? I think, God, do it. Just do it. Because like you say, there nobody will be like you doing that thing. And also it doesn't even have to have a name like what you're saying. You can just, you're doing something you love. So if there's something you love doing, do it. You know, mm. just do it because because actually most people aren't worried about what you're doing. They're worried about what they're doing. So you may as well just enjoy your life. But that's me gone off on a little ranty thing. So you shouldn't yeah. throw it back to me, Woody. I'll no, be I going on all day. No, but Ellie, I do agree. And I think the thing is sometimes, you know, and that that was definitely me, this people-pleasing person and, and, uh, and you know, being successful, mm. like in inverted commas, like, you know, if you if you say to people, I'm a TV presenter, they know who you are in television, you know, that's deemed successful. But actually, mm. towards the end of it all, I was stressed because obviously I, had, I was having a baby and, and it was like, oh, how is this going to work? And and the thing is, it's about what's what what brings you joy, like what what where are you you're happiest. And it could be sad, you know, it might be just sitting in your kitchen cooking dinner you know Mm. whatever it doesn't Mm. matter whatever it is it's not about what other people think and that's what we have to let go of you know and I was the worst for that you know Mm. trying to be a you know oh what oh god and now I really genuinely you know just think 
who cares? Mm. Because you're not you're not helping anybody by you know you can keep everybody else happy and not yourself you're not you know that's just rubbish mm. you know you've got to, got to look at what what makes you happy and and um I mean I so want to talk to you about this guy that you interviewed because I I think the whole the whole subject of happiness is such a such an interesting it is so complex yet so simple mm. you know because actually if you want to be happy choose to be happy mm. and I know that's quite a controversial thing to say because some people go but what about if you've got depression that's that's the different thing but I do feel that we 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 strive we we think right when I get the big car when I get the big house when I get the whatever when I get married when I lose 10 stone when I lose whatever I'm going to be happy but actually it's not about that it's about all we have is right now. Mm. So it's about right now, what 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 will make you happy? For me, once I've obviously seen your gorgeous face, <laughs> but get you know, it's it's the sun's coming out today, so getting outside with my dogs or that will make me happy. Mm. It's it's just or be just be happy now. Like it's it is very simple, but we make it so complex. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I do. I'm and actually again, I Buddy, I wouldn't normally talk about myself, but I'm actually gonna just like carry on now. But mm. you um I've just put out my second book and uh, the juggle. Yeah, juggle. Yes, very good. And um, but as as I know exactly what you're saying there, because and people say it in the most kindest of what kindest of ways, but they'll say, oh, you know, you're going to have a bestseller. So you can then and this is I had to get over this barrier and I sort of before I ever started publishing my own books because I'd been rejected so many times as well. Um, but actually, it's not. No. And that's I get a little bit nervous when people say that, not saying you wouldn't want those things to happen. But really, the joy was whether or not this book sells one copy or 10 copies or 100,000 copies. I like on a Monday morning, I go for my run and I come back and I write my 2000 words. And I love doing that. And then I pick my boys up from school. And I am really happy that that is my Monday. And that's, that's, what that makes me sound really boring actually but um that's what I love that's what I love so whatever the that my book the juggle now I've loved being with it and it's uh I've worked on it a lot all through lockdown I was writing it when my dad died actually so it's and then I stopped so it's it's had a real it's it's come out of quite a lot of bad things but it's been my sort of my friend and it's that sounds really silly but it's what I've loved doing and now I've put it out in the world and then now I'm going to start my next one and it goes back to what you're saying about this thing about being busy and people it's not busy I'm just doing something I really love to do and and for me to to be a good wife and mom and everything and daughter it's really important that um I'm in doing what I feel like I should be doing each day I'm using my days how I feel they should be used and for me at this point in time, that's success. Absolutely. And that's it. And who cares? Like, like you know, it doesn't matter. You just said, oh, it sounds boring. It doesn't. That to, to some people, that sounds like the perfect, you know, and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. For you, that is your best day. Mm. That is your, you know. And, and I think that's the thing. You talk about what's a perfect day. For a lot of people, it might be watching a sunset, just going for a walk with somebody they love, you know going out with your dogs whatever it is it doesn't matter you know going I mean you run every day I mean you're phenomenal you run every day too and I think I think that's a that's a great thing for for keeping our heads I always say that keep the heed you know it keeps you sane but it's a great it's a great thing and you know well done you and and you know I can't wait to read the juggle (laughs) I love to read the book and um that's the fact you know and it's but it's inspiring I think the thing is as well that Actually, people following their heart, following what they want to do, um, is inspiring for other people to do that. 
to follow their heart and follow what, what's good for them. I think that's that's why it's really important to to be true to yourself because you never know who you're inspiring by just being you. Mm. And I think following, having being brave enough and having the courage to follow what your gut, your heart is telling you because sometimes it's not what everybody else wants you to do or thinks you should do. Mm. And whether if you want to just, you know, become a, you know, carpenter or, or do you know what I mean? It's to whatever it is. But if that's what makes you happy, you got to do it. You know, and that's I think if more of us did that and and followed, you know, what what makes us happy and where you where you get your joy, then then it would make life a lot a, a lot more simple I and a lot so. easier for a lot of people. I totally agree. So, Woody, I'm conscious of your time as well, because yeah, you got lots of other things you would like to do today. Your acknowledgements. Who would you like to thank along the way? Oh, See, even then you saying that, that just gets me. I just feel really emotional straight away. Well, I mean, obviously my parents, you know, but I can't ever. I mean, that's the only thing, isn't it? Sometimes you just think, oh, but yeah, them, I guess, because, you know, they gave me the best start at the beginning, you know. Um, I, I, I came from a very loving family um, when I was younger. So, so yeah, and then I, I my, my three children who... Have taught me so much, you know. They, they're my teachers in, in many ways. God, I get so emotional about stuff like this. And my lovely husband, you know, I mean, God, he's got the patience of a saint. And you know, he's he is without. I mean, again, cheesy, my rock. But you know, I'm I'm quite a, I guess, complex character because of everything that you know. So I'm very outgoing, but I can be very vulnerable, like we all can. And and you know, he has to deal with me being a bit sort of all over the shop sometimes. And um, and being completely crazy hyper but um but yeah so so yeah and my and friends you know I mean so many people I I you know and I've got so many people but yeah I would say my my parents <clears throat> my parents mm-hmm. my children mm-hmm. and, uh, and my hobby mm-hmm. and my dogs <laughs> well, we can't leave the dogs out can we we can't so finally Woody now we've given lots of advice but so I mean you could speak a this isn't just somebody that's that's done it but also you do this in your in your work and you are very very good at that at motivating people and encouraging people if somebody's listening to this if they're listening to this and they're thinking because also what do you know about you genuinely know this again it's a cliche life short you never know what's going to happen I mean it happened to you it absolutely when you were 13 it absolutely happened to, to you and your lovely family so your advice if someone's thinking and they're pondering and they're like oh I don't know what to do or I kind of do know what I do but I don't I, what I want to do but I don't know, you know, I just, they, they're waiting for something. They're waiting for something. What would you say to them? Don't wait. Carp DM. Mm. Use the moment. You no, know, don't wait. We don't know nothing. None of n- the future isn't promised to any of us. And um, none of us know, you know, and I think you've got to do whatever, it, whatever. Also, listen to your body, listen to your intuition. You know, we've we and, and this is the thing. Sometimes we, some a lot of the stuff I've I've been reading recently. You know, our ancestors, like a lot of what they've gone through is is passed through us, and you know whether you you know from from a science point of view, and listen to your intuition. It's listen to your gut. You know, we, we talk about gut feelings. We talk about you know if you've got that nagging feeling about something it's telling you that for a reason so do it do it now whether it's writing that book making that phone call you know start starting to eat clean you know learning how to stand up paddle boards going for that run meeting that person saying sorry 
you know, whatever it is, do it, do it today because, you know, you just don't know. And that's the thing. And that's the, I think you see so many people just, 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 just go through life without living, like really living. And, you know, it's that thing about being alive, about taking the joy of the, the joy of what's in front of you the the flowers the smells the honeysuckle when you're out running do you know what I mean it's just being really present so I would say I would say that does that make sense it does make it's brilliant advice and it makes perfect sense and and in terms of because obviously you I mean you you've gone very much into the into the wellness and and health and it's so sort of interesting and we can all relate to it but I mean you weren't again going back to that original thing you didn't have all the qualifications from school it wasn't like you'd gone to Cambridge and did the science of food or whatever it was not that you can do that at Cambridge but um if you so if somebody say for example they've got an interest in a, in a subject so you had a, especially when you would had your accident this really sort of took you into that so if somebody's got an interest be it they like houses or interiors or they like fashion or they like health or they like hair or whatever it is but they're like hang on well what do I know I oh you know I don't know how to do this that for what would you advise them they don't necessarily have to go to to a school for four years or something like that what would be your advice to do that first step what would that first step be if you want to start building a world of your own google google it yeah I'm not even being funny. I mean, that's when I when I had my accident and I was told. So I had a race to do in in eight weeks, right? And I was forty seven. The consultant said to me, "You are not going to fix your body." And I was like, "I'm not listening to you. I'm not going to listen to anything negative." I went. I went. Googled how to heal your body, and that's when I, that's when my passion for clean eating and everything came because I was already doing a lot of that stuff, and it was all the principles of of a program that I helped run. Um, with what I do and I was like oh my god this is this is it this is what I've been doing this is it and this is what people are telling me to do and I googled it so for whatever anybody what if it's hairdressing or interior designs just google you know google stuff like uh, information everything's at the you don't have to go to libraries now you don't have to do any of that it's all at the you know the tip of our fingertips our fingertips you know it's, it's all there so um and I find a mentor, find somebody, speak to somebody who's already doing it, speak to someone. So I mean, I, you know, I would love to write a book. So I'm going to talk to you about that. Mm. I'd love to write a book about happiness. Mm. And, um, and, you know, and that's the thing. And, and that's something else as well. Like you, you, you're writing a book because that's what you want to do, but you have no idea what impact you writing a book has had on other people. So you've inspired me to do it. I've talked about it before. Would I maybe have done it? I don't know. But you've definitely, by doing it, I've gone, oh, Ellie's done that. Right. I need to do this. Right. So that's the thing. By doing whatever you're doing, you're inspiring other people to be themselves and do that thing. So find a mentor. Find somebody who's already doing what you, you want to do. Reach out to them. So many people are happy to share advice. So many people are gorgeous and kind and want to share their knowledge. And, and that was something actually that really I've heard. It's a, I don't know if I've heard it before, but there's a saying when somebody dies, then so does a, a library goes with them. And I just thought, God, that's so true. Like I remember that was something actually after my dad died, my mum really upset saying he studied he, he studied all that waste he studied so hard because he was a merchant banker and he'd done all these exams and um and that's the thing isn't it so so many people have got this knowledge you want to get it I you know go and ask them 
ask the question, how did you do it? How should I start? You know, I want to set up my own interior design company or I want to become a hairdresser or I want to do whatever it is. Go and find find somebody, find a mentor, ask them how they did it. And I'm honestly, you'd be amazed at how many people want to help and share and impart their knowledge with you. People, people at the core are gorgeous and kind. And I think... We have to believe that as humans more now than ever and truly believe that people want to help other people. And I think there's a lot of people out there who 100% are the most gorgeous individuals and want to impart all that knowledge. So ask, ask the question, ask. Woody Morris, I have asked you lots of questions. You asked me lots of questions. It's been amazing speaking to you. I could speak with you all day, but you've got to get out into that countryside. Thank you so much for being such a brilliant guest on the next chapter. Oh, darling. And listen, can I just say thank you for thank you. Thank you for asking me on and thank you. And thank you for what you're doing, because by doing this podcast, by sharing, you know, imparting all your knowledge, being amazingly inspo, writing your books, just being such a gorgeous friend. You know, well done you. I'm super, super proud of you. My wee Ellie, who is a runner. Look at you now. What do you get me all emotional now? We're going to have to cut. (laughs) So. There you are. She's a tinker, isn't she? These journalists and their questions, they never stop. But you see, what an amazing, inspiring, invigorating person Woody is. I took from this, Woody is living her true life because she fills her days with what she wants to do. It's crazy, isn't it? It's so simple, but she does it. She's honest about what makes her happy. She works in what makes her happy and then she does it. She knows how precious life is and she shows us how she spends every single day. Now, I admit, I'm a bit of a grump in the mornings, but I always have a look at one of Woody's Instagram posts and it cheers me up. My husband actually thinks she's a miracle worker. If I were you, I'd have a look too, not saying that you're grumpy like me. Now, if you want to see more about Woody and her brilliant work, then all her details are in the show notes. You can find out more about my next chapter at elliebarkerwrites.com. You're listening to the next chapter by Ellie Barker, a flower pot production. The last of the Summer Sizzler series is coming next week. But until then, keep thinking, keep pondering. You can do it. I know you can. And Woody definitely does too. Speak soon. <laughs>